Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Time Will Be Different. Today, we have the first Friendisode. I've brought my dear friend Frisian on here today, and we're going to be just going through current state of things, what's going on, and I'm going to pick Frisian's brains about some things that get him fired up and see if we can argue and get some clip-worthy content so I can get my damn views up. But <laughs> Frisian, how are you doing? Reza, what's up? I'm so excited to be on the future biggest crypto podcast in the world. You know, Thank you're you. ramping up straight into the bull market. You know, I'm, I'm, working I'm, on I'm ready, ready to contribute. It's psyched to be here. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but we are a top 100 podcast in Sweden. Sorry, I absolutely, sorry. I absolutely business do. podcast. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. Drop the business. It's cleaner. Don't, don't <laughs> worry. I appreciate the finer points of having a niche podcast. And, you know, I'll take whatever I can get with that talk. <laughs> you know, we can be the 69th biggest podcast in category 69 in the 69th biggest country. And I'll I'll be excited. How is Dow Talk going, by the way? Dow Talk, uh, for everyone listening, is a podcast that Frisian runs. He has two co-hosts, two co-hosts now, right? Tommy Lower and Cool Horse Girl. It's a great podcast. I really love it. It was a big part of the inspiration for me to start this one. So I highly suggest for you guys to go check it out. Oh, thanks. Thanks, King. We got to have you on again. Yeah, probably sometime soon. So stoked for that. Has that been growing? You, you enjoying the process? Yeah, it it is growing. It's kind of like slow and steady wins the race from a growth perspective. But we have grown through the bear market, which is like it's all know, that matters. It's all that matters. Like don't don't die, don't shrink. That's a win. Yeah, it's been great. It's like very very niche, right? Like we just go all the way in the weeds on Dow specifically. We kind of have yeah. this like loyal audience of like fifty to one hundred people who just taps in every week <laughs> to, to listen to us talk That's about awesome. like the most like niche kind of DAO stuff. Yeah, it's for, it's for hardcore DAO people. So if you like DAOs or you want to find out if you like or hate them, tap in. Um, we have a particular spin on it too. Like Tally, we're, our culture is really around like on-chain and decentralization. So it gets a little spicy too. Like there's, we're, we're contrarians to like a lot of the, I would call like mainstream DAO space. Anyway, yeah, it's fun. You got to get into some of your contrarian opinions. But first, before we get any further, could you give me a little intro or rundown on who you are, what you do, all that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Frizen. Um, it's a pseudonym, but it's easy to find my IRL name. I like would remerge them, but I started out with a pseudonym in crypto and it got like too much traction. And now <laughs> <laughs> that's just my name. But uh, um, yeah, Frizen is like, um, it's like a chills or goosebumps. I think that it's like the com the it comes from a French word like frisson. I think is frisson. Roughly, roughly how you say it. Yeah, frisson. I, like <laughs> I have a background in like Web two growth marketing. Did that for about a decade at Google, and then at this B two B software company called Lucid. Um, was there for about eight years and helped grow it from fifty to a thousand people. So it's kind of like this wild growth ride but i got kind of bored once it got big you know it's like you sort of get to the point when there's a thousand employees when like it's just work about work especially if you're like a manager and so i that coincided with like the 2021 crypto <laughs> cycle and so i just like went full nights and weekends degenerate and uh yeah i got wrecked on ohm um shout out to my omies and uh, learned about like the difference between on-chain and off-chain governance through that process um and yeah eventually decided that like what i realized is like a crypto space kind of needs was starting to need go to market in a very real way um and also like professional managers like no shade to my like you know crypto only that you know i and like tommy and, and chg you know on, on tally seem like they kind of really grew up in crypto and i know a lot of the my zoomer homies out there did as well no shade on that 
but I think it's valuable to also bring people into the space who have like, you know, learned best practices or just like built a career in another space and kind of like mesh, mesh the two. Um, so yeah, looked around and um, almost actually ended up joining Arbitrum, which, or Offchain Labs, which is like, yeah, still very close friends and involved in that ecosystem today, but ended up joining Tally because I wanted to join like a true early stage, like seed stage startup pre-product market fit. And uh, it's been a wild ride, you know, I joined and then the price just went <laughs> I think like my first, first six months of tally, the price of ETH went down like 60%. So I was like, all right, Damn. this is about to get real. But it's actually been like an awesome bear market for tally. And we've been able to also grow through the bear market. And yeah, uh, excited for, for this next cycle to kick off. So you work a traditional, I'm going to call, I'm going to use traditional very loosely here. You work like a, let's call it a normal job for a decade doing growth marketing. And then you take a chance. And you, you take a big risk and you go to work in crypto, you're excited. And then the first six months is just down only. Are you freaking out in this in these first six months? Are you like questioning everything? Or did you like maintain your, your thesis? I maintained my thesis. It was the timing was really important because I was just like so fucking burned out from trad jobs that I was like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. I don't know if I'll be able to pay rent next month. <laughs> And like within the context of crypto, I have a pretty trad job, right? Like Tally is a VC funded company. Like we were, you know, well funded. And so like, it wasn't like I was, yeah, like working for a DAO that was collapsing, which happened to a lot of people, you know, uh, in, in that time. So I had like more security, I think, than, than a lot of folks. And I was just excited. Like the thing is in my trad jobs, like I was always the weirdest motherfucker. Right? <laughs> I was like the one with the craziest like ideas and the crazy, like the most non-traditional approach. And now in crypto, I'm like the suit, you know, which is kind of, it's kind of interesting. Like I'm like, I try to like lean into that role actually. It'd be like, listen, like, like I have this like other background and can kind of bring more standard practices in. And it's been fun to play that role. Cause I can be like, my weird self but you know also like yeah teach the zoomers about paying taxes and things like that so <laughs> anyway anyway um yeah it's scary i would say it actually got scarier like more recently you talk about time-based capitulation it's like this is incredibly real for venture back startups like tally had a really great you know bear market but still it's like after a couple years of just pain you know it's like that's when you start to question. I think that initial down only is kind of like you just accept it. But then two years later of like pain only, <laughs> that's when it starts to get scarier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a lot of capitulation happening right now in the industry. I hope this is the a sign that things are going to change and not the beginning of more pain. <laughs> but, you know, who's to say? I think with the amount of companies we've seen like doing layoffs or just going under completely, like it would almost be poetic for everything to turn around right now. You know, like we've checked all the bot, like SBF's in jail. You know, we, we did a bunch of things and now I think it's time we're ready to ready to start moving up. Yeah, I I think it is actually. I think we're, yeah, the, I saw it yesterday, Capo tweeted, this is the beginning of the end, which is just very funny. But uh, I think it's the end of the end. That's my opinion. I don't know that it will be like, you know, 2020 bitcoin where it's just like insane up only pa for you know a year i would be surprised if that they played out like that but i think as far as like just people and money starting to come back into the industry i think we've actually started to see that now um like in q4 um and mm -hmm. yeah i'm feeling good about about 2024 personally 
Yeah, I'm just worried about like macro environment right now. But like I had a, I was talking to a crypto lawyer the other day and I was telling him how I've been thinking about buying a house, but like I'm nervous about pulling money out of crypto and putting it into buy a house because I feel like as soon as I do, crypto is just going to explode <laughs> upwards. And he was, he made a good point. He was like, well, if you're in crypto, it's because you don't believe the government can be trusted to manage your money. And if you believe the government is going to mismanage money, then you would believe the dollar is going to inflate infinitely and the price of everything else will go up infinitely. So it suits your thesis then to sell some crypto and buy a house. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> that's that's not a bad point. I've heard people talk about real estate and crypto as like a barbell strategy, you know, which is, yeah, a funny meme in its own, right? But I do think there's actually a lot of people in crypto that are like, yeah, that's their primary like other asset class, you know, is real estate, which yeah. I think, yeah, I think is compelling. I'm more trad, so I have like, you know, bonds, 401k, <laughs> like, no, bro, I got the 60-40 dog, you know, mm. bonds aren't stable enough. I need to diversify in stocks and bonds. You need to diversify your bonds. In an attempt to become more um, more stable and responsible, I diversified out of my high-risk crypto positions and into a venture fund. <laughs> I thought that'd be a good way to create stability. Listen, I'm in the good shitters, all right? I'm in like the blue chips, like PayPay and Mog, you know? Nice. So like, no, I'm like actually kind of a boomer. Like I, I occasionally like dabble with, I like to like mess around with the cutting edge of crypto, but like my, my investment approach is very like, yeah, I like ETH. <laughs> pretty yeah. much i'm trying to be more of a boomer whenever i'm not a boomer it bites me in the ass so i just need to like be a boomer and sit on my my digital gold and my digital silver or whatever the hell you want to call it and just chill also some like solana i need to get some solana apparently <laughs> yeah i i watched that one i watched the narrative the whole way right like you know i follow chris berninski he's been killing this entire like cycle right like i watched the solana thesis tweet i watched the like vitalic bottoming solana by what it was like below eight dollars being like there's actually awesome devs in solana <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. i appreciate them boom just destroyed the shorts i watched like every step i was like this is gonna work like solana's gonna come back there's gonna be a new wave of builders on the chain it's like it's gonna work but i just didn't buy it <laughs> same I, um, same yeah. I believed in it. I genuinely did. I was like, you know, like maybe anyways, I'll let you continue, but we can dive into yeah. this stuff. More. Yeah. I, but it's okay. Like I, I'm still happy for them. I don't know. I I've like, this will probably change, you know, <laughs> we're in mid FOMO bull market, but like I came to one of the things that happened for me is like, I came to peace with like, you know, what I truly like in the bull, bear market when like everything's crashing, but then like ETH goes down, whatever, 70%. And then like, some other shit coins that you own go down 99%. You really understand the difference between those two things and like learn what it means to actually be comfortable holding something, you know? So that was like my biggest lesson from an investing perspective is just to be okay. It's like, I understand what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with and don't have to like, you know, think too much about missing out on gains because that's what leads to getting, getting wrecked. Yeah. So why do you think ETH is undervalued right now? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like one of the things you learn being in crypto, right, is like 
anything that when the when the talking points get like too exaggerated in one direction usually things swing back the other way and i think like you know just taking a step back and thinking about fundamentals right ETH is just really compelling like i'll, I'll just give like, i'll just give like a specific example right like that you know since the soul to ETH ratio or whatever has been up a lot people are like oh there's this narrative around the etf where it's like somehow ETH is not going to benefit from an ETF because like Bitcoin's going to get it first and like the boomers, you know, are more familiar with BTC. And then like somehow like all the other coins are just going to get an ETF too once ETH gets one. And like, that's actually not true at all. Like <laughs> you look at like the fundamentals, like I actually agree that Bitcoin will benefit the most from an ETF, but like the other coins are so much farther away from a legal standpoint of like getting an ETF approved. It's not even funny. Like, Literally this week, the SEC filed a lawsuit in which they specifically called out Seoul as a security, which I mean, oh, I mean fuck the SEC. Like, I, I, I don't think that means that Seoul is a security. But the point is, like, the SEC has basically capitulated on ETH, right? Like, they didn't name ETH a security in that lawsuit. This is a Kraken. It's just a copy paste of the Coinbase lawsuit. But it came out this week. They didn't call ETH a security. They did call Seoul a security. It's like, there's going to be, like, a wholly, like, different and longer legal process for a soul to be approved, right? It's like a lot of this stuff is just talking points, right? The reality is like ETH has problems, but it's like pretty far along from a decentralization and like distribution standpoint. It has way more utility than any other token in the crypto world. The supply is net decreasing over time, which like is the only relevant coin in terms of market cap that that's true of. Like I personally think it's like by far the highest quality crypto asset but i have learned to love bitcoin too actually during the bear market so shout out to my to my bitcoiners but like i'm not an eth maxi and i think like ethereum alignment is like the dumbest shit i've ever heard in my life but i just think like fundamentally eth is yeah a really high quality asset um by far the highest quality one in the crypto space interesting i mean i definitely hope so my bags are packed <laughs> and i more or less agree with you i think it's really interesting that the narrative, the narratives around Solana right now are the same exact same narratives that were around ETH like last cycle. You know, like even the stuff like, oh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's not a security, but ETH is a security. Like that was a huge thing. Like all the Bitcoiners were always talking about how like ETH was a security and like the government was never going to say that ETH wasn't a security. And now like I can see after this new case you're talking about that there's going to be a new narrative where like the ETH maxis are going to come out and being like, well, so will always be a security. And then they'll yeah. overcome that eventually. It's great. There's no way that shit is going to repeat so closely like this, right? Like does history repeat itself this fast? I, so this is like my first cycle, right? I joined crypto in 2020, 2021. And so I'm like every step of the way, like I've been monitoring the arguments. There are people who are really into the cycles, right? And so they're like mapping like the PA and just like the the steps and the different parts of capitulation. And every time I'm like, this is going, it seems like it's going exactly the same way as like 2017 through 2020. But it can't actually be like that. That would be like too stupid. But so far, it's been exactly the same. And like the soul is a new ETH part, like 100% playing out. Uh, I actually think soul is going to do great. Like I don't, I'm like focused on ETH from an investment standpoint, but like I, I think it's going to do awesome this cycle. It'll probably outperform ETH, like, you know, trough to peak, right? Just because yeah. it's like a smaller market cap, more volatile. Like I think it's going to do great. I agree. Yeah. 
what i mean yeah i also think it's gonna outperform ETH. i don't know how much damn it's market cap the last time i looked at solana's market cap it was significantly lower than what it is right now i already know you're about to judge me because i'm about to screen share coin market cap and not coin gecko <laughs> but i've been in the game hey, for a while and I, I type my fingers just automatically go <laughs> cz beat the case you know it's coin market cap is cool again it's fine nice but like this is 24 billion like it's literally like ETH it, is a 10x market cap from here and like solana is definitely it's it's crazy how it's outperformed so much right like si since that like bottom where you know basically since like the ftx capitulation that happened like late 2022 early 2023 it's just outperformed like all the other big coins by so by so much yeah yeah which is very impressive right because it's not even really a bull market yet it's like it reminds me to your point like the way that people talk about there was this capitulation event for eth where it went to like 80 dollars not the one that happened in like the covid crash but there's one before that mm -hmm. um i guess it was in 2019 maybe i think it was in late 2018 late 2019 which is the exact same timing as late 2022 early 2023 for soul like and like all the eth people were like fuck well i can't sell now so uh, if it goes to zero it goes to zero and then it came like raging back yeah it's it's like souls performed so well it's crazy yeah like i was just looking at the market cap chart and it was one one twenty three market cap of solana is 3.6 billion that's not that that's, that's fucking insane yeah. and then like six six eighteen twenty three six billion you know like think, think about think about this right like when, when we think about like next year right and like the conditions for a bull market that story alone right when we talk about like psychology think about like really one of the things i feel like that's been happening with soul is like shout out to berniski he kind of like led the way on this but it's like funds basically have lined up and been like no soul's gonna make it and we're going to buy it now when it's undervalued, right? All those funds just hit like a whatever, five, probably 5x or something on average, like absolutely mm -hmm. killed it. And like, okay, is that the best performing asset of this year? Not quite because NVIDIA and the AI craze happened, but like outside of AI, is that the best performing asset this year? You know, probably, mm. <laughs> right? And the best performing, you know, major asset, like 10 billion plus in market cap. It's like, what does that do from a narrative perspective? Like not necessarily specifically for Seoul, but just like the entire ecosystem, right? It's like that starts trickling back in of like, no, like crypto is not dead. In fact, I'm hit a 5X, right? On this, like on, on Seoul, which is like the token everyone thought was the most dead because of FTX, you know? It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I talked a lot of shit. I have talked a lot of shit about Soul. And now, like, I, I am really, I've changed my tune completely. I even think, like, the, I think the next NFT bull run is going to be on Soul. I worry that the next generation of, like, crypto natives are going to care a lot less about decentralization than I do and that I think you do. And I also worry that they're going to look at, so, like, if you look at ETH post proof of stake, right? You can make, arguments towards it being more centralized than before in a similar way that you can make arguments to solana being more centralized i would argue that solana is significantly more centralized than eth but if i were to take a step back remove any like emotional ties to this and think like okay if i ask like two strangers on the street like okay one thing is more decentralized than the other but the other one is a lot cheaper and faster which one are you going for like 
I think they go with the cheap, fast one. I don't think they give a shit. They're like, well, they're both not fully decentralized. So really, might as well do the cheap one. You know, like, I don't know. I would take it a step further than that. I'm 100% sure that the next generation of people who come in and crypto come into crypto, at least like during the bull market, will not give a shit about decentralization. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what happens every time, right? I don't think decentralization is about, I don't think it is a compelling narrative in the context of like growth or like when a lot of people are rushing into the ecosystem. The reason decentralization is compelling is because if you take a longer term view, even from a pure investment return standpoint, you just expand your time horizon past one cycle or even just you capture an entire cycle, right? Not just part of it, like the, the bull part you're going to get outperformance from the most decentralized assets. This is about Bitcoin and Ethereum, but this is where Tally comes in, right? It's also about protocols. Like if you just look at like the largest DAOs on Tally, the ones that show up first on the Explore DAOs page and just ask, how did that protocol and that community, and in some cases, even that token do compared to like its competitors in the ecosystem, you're going to see outperformance. I'm not saying it's caused by a decentralization that's like an oversimplification but it's highly correlated with right because it's about like the ability to survive it's about a different kind of growth right it's like what happens when the bull market's over it's like how much retention is there of participants the highest growth products the ones that are the least thoughtfully designed have the least amount of security and decentralization baked in they're going to attract a more like flighty type of user and capital and they're going to have a lot higher churn right like through the cycle so it's not like yeah it's, there's no <laughs> there's no way the next generation of people is going to be like yeah what i care about during this bull market is decentralization it's never happened it never will happen it's more about like retention and taking like a full cycle or like multi-cycle view about what matters in the space damn it <laughs> yeah i mean everyone needs to accept that right like yeah. if you're some like eth maxi who's like yeah eth is definitely going to outperform this shit coin in the bull run like just give up like give up now <laughs> you, like lose that emotional attachment because like if you think that what's going to happen is you're going to be wrong and then you're going to capitulate into some shitter at the top <laughs> with your ETH bags yeah. like don't do that like you know and another thing about like the decentralized alternatives outperforming sometimes is uh a lot of people don't realize how fucking evil market makers are I hate market. I've worked on coins that have built relationships with traditional, or like traditional crypto exchanges, like sexes. I've worked in the past, like yeah, I've I've seen that side of the world, and it's fucked up. And then even so, with like decentralized tokens, like Rye, for example, Rye and like FLX Reflexer very openly refuses to pay for exchange listings, which a lot of people think is a detriment. But every once in a while, someone will go and just list it, anyways. You know, like Vitalik will tweet about FLX or some shit, and then some random exchange will go and list it, and. It almost always is like a net negative thing in the long-term view, because then you, you're bringing in a player who's just acquired a bunch of your like asset, and their only goal is to maximize profits. They don't care which way it's going, as long as they're making money. And then honestly, it, it's like as soon as a centralized exchange gets involved and there's a market maker, that's when I feel like I want to be protected from that. I do not want to be protected from on-chain products. I want to be protected from 
regulated <laughs> centralized exchanges like the stuff they do behind the scenes is so much shadier like the automated market maker was such a huge leap forward in my mind like you need something like that you need to remove the humans from market making as much as possible that actually goes back to like my belief in ETH as an asset right it's like it's easy to see the holes right like especially because it's more transparent, but also we're all crypto natives. So like we understand the problems with Uniswap, like the challenges, right? With Uniswap. They're like, oh, well, it's the loss isn't impermanent and like LPs don't make money and it doesn't scale and blah, blah, blah. Like ETH is really expensive. You know, uh, a bunch, the L2 ecosystem is fractured. Yes, but Uniswap is crazy. Like, <laughs> like that is a fucking zero to one tech innovation for real, yeah. for real. Like uh, the automated market maker is like, if we're just talking about straight up innovation and impact on society and certainly impact on like a field, right? Well, what did the impact ha that have on like sort of the field of finance in terms of like from a philosophical or like intellectual perspective, like that shit is crazy. And we just like crypto is like, we just take it for granted, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or even the L2 ecosystem is the same, right? It's like, yeah, it's fractured. Yeah, most L2s don't have, you know, uh, fraud proofs like Arbitrum does. And like, let's just take Arbitrum as an example. They have gone from zero to one. They have fraud proofs is 10x plus more scalable than Ethereum L1. It has over a million ETH locked into it. Not a million dollars of ETH, like a million ETH units of ETH locked, like bridged onto it. It has native integration with USDC. It has like an ecosystem of dApps. It has like GMX is one of the largest on-chain businesses, like in terms of revenue and usage. Like it's very easy to think about like the problems, right? But like sometimes it's really difficult to like take a step back and see the forest right through the trees and be like, this is fucking crazy that this should happen. Like, does that yeah. mean that like the price of ETH should have gone up by 300% in like one month in 2021? No, <laughs> but like, just like forget out the price for a second, right? And just be like, this is real innovation. And it's not like a theory, right? Like this shit actually shit. People actually use it like at like a semi-legitimate scale. Yeah, it's crazy. Like stable coins is another one right like this whole ecosystem right you have everything from rye which is like a truly decentralized stable coin up to like usdc which is sort of like a borderline like bank product right dollar like coin like, yeah it's a dollar coin right i'm making <laughs> dollar coin a thing dollar we don't coin. call usdc and tether stable coins anymore we call them dollar coins that makes sense right it's a dollar <laughs> coin but it's like it's like a board semi-bank issued dollar coin that is insane like <laughs> like the way that people use tether right it's like or like Binance, right? This is in the news lately. It's like CZ, you know, settled with the DOJ. Okay, like they're tweeting about how Binance has 150 million users. People in like every country in the world are fucking using Binance and Tether as a bank. That's insane. Yeah. That's like seriously fucking insane. I think a lot of times we, like I think everyone would be better off for just like really trying to focus on like the actual innovation in the space and just understanding, okay, what can we do to push that forward? And then from an investing hat, right? You need to care a lot about price because crypto is like insanely volatile and reflexive. But like, if you're assuming you're doing a good job with your price entry, it's like, how do we focus on where the innovation is actually coming from, <laughs> you know, in the space and continue to invest? Yeah, in that going forward. Uniswap was huge. I think people do sleep, especially like the new school entrants uh, into crypto who don't know how hard it was to buy shit coins <laughs> before Uniswap existed. Like it used to be like in 20, I can't remember what year Uniswap came out, but I remember like sitting, I remember where I was trading before Uniswap. And like, there were so many shitty, sketchy 
exchanges and 99% of coins could only get listed on like one of 50 bottom tier exchanges in the beginning. So in order to trade anything to like get on top of all the coins that you're seeing on Twitter and stuff like that, you had to make tens of accounts Cryptopia and like all these bullshit. Everyone, if you remember Cryptopia, you're an OG. That was a one of the shittiest, shittiest of the shitty. <laughs> they listed anything, but like Uniswap, Uniswap really just it made it permissionless. You know, like crypto was not really or launching a token was not very permissionless until Uniswap came in and made a way for you to like create a market on your own. Is insane. Uniswap was also the, the Uni token is like the single most profitable trade I've ever made in my life. And it was completely luck. But I had been like using, I quit crypto for like three months and then came back in DeFi summer. Saw Uniswap. I was like, oh my God, what is this? It's so cool. And I'm using it, like thinking it's badass. And then one night I'm just laying in bed and I see Hayden tweet out just um, a smart contract address. And he's like, like uni token or i forget what the copy was but he tweeted out the smart contract address for uni and i saw it like 33 seconds after he tweeted it and i just copied pasted it into uniswap literally emptied my wallet into like every single guay in my wallet <laughs> into uni i i think i got it at like 14 my first buy was like 14 cents or some shit like the price it is like never seen again <laughs> since it launched yeah I think the people that do the best in this coming bull market are going to be on the bleeding edge like that. It's different now, right? Because it's like the ecosystem was really small then. And like everyone knew about every new thing, everyone who's tapped in is much more competitive right now. You have these like, you know, 23 year olds who are just like deck screener power users who just like know about every new thing that happens. So it's, it's more competitive, but also the ecosystem is way bigger, right? Like you could have the equivalent of a Uniswap across like multiple chains and multiple categories and verticals. I think people are getting the, the current shitcoin meta is sort of like this, but completely without the substance. Right. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see like truly innovative products launched fully on chain in the next like year or two. And the people who like, you know, go from being poor to, <laughs> to having mansions are going to be the people who are like right there, you know, j just like that kind of trade. And maybe it's not even just like pure price speculation. It's like figuring out MEV is like probably more played out industrialized now too, but like whatever that next equivalent of MEV is, or just like, what is the second order effect, right? Okay, Uniswap's live. What is the second order effect of that? Like what, what, what is going to change about the ecosystem as a result of the fact that this new product exists and sort of how to capitalize on that? Like the people, if I was like a full-time investor, which I'm like not, I'm a, <laughs> a builder, right? But like if I was a full-time investor, I was like trying to start a hedge fund or something for this bull market. The only thing I would care about is like finding those exact, right? Like 23-year-olds who are just all the way in the trenches, but have like an actual view on the technology, right? Like not the shit, shit coin trenches, <laughs> like the actual like, on-chain innovation trenches because um, i think there will be incredible there will be incredible gains to be had one example i was going to share is like combining this concept with uniswap and arbitrum when the arbitrum airdrop happened all of the price discovery happened on arbitrum 
on Uniswap and other AMMs and DEXs like a Camelot and SushiSwap. And there's probably one or two others, TimeSwap, that I'm forgetting on the chain. As an Arbitrum delegate, if I forgot you, sorry, I don't, I don't, don't, don't mean to offend. Um, hit me up. I'll give you a shout. But the centralized exchange was behind. And this is for a massive token event that everyone knew was happening, right? Like they pre-announced the airdrop seven days before the airdrop. So Binance and Coinbase and everyone knew that the ARB token was going out. But this is how you know that on-chain shit is better. It's like all the price discovery happened on Arbitrum on AMS for like a day or two. That's crazy, man. Yeah, that <laughs> like for crazy. real, it's crazy, you know? It's cool. And it's organic. Like any price discovery on a centralized exchange is manipulated. Any, like in my eyes, all price action on centralized order books is manipulated price action. You know, like you have a market maker who is trading Every market has a market maker who's trading against retail, you know, like that. It's not PVP. It's like you versus the boss, you know, like, whereas like decentralized exchanges, like it is, it's PVP. You're playing against other people. And like, some people think it's going down. Some people think it's going up. There is not some omnipotent person who can see the entire order book. It's just better. It's a better solution. Yeah. I think people will point to like, well, market makers were involved, you know, are, are in the Uniswap order books as well. And like, they did get a grant from the Arbitrum Foundation, right? To market make the ARB token. But like, so, so you can like poke holes in all these things, but it's like, I think it's important to take a step back and be like, of course the on-chain ecosystem is going to develop some of the same problems as the centralized exchange world and the banking world. And everyone's going to try to KYC each other and it's going to get pushed in the direction of the TradFi ecosystem. But like, that doesn't take away from the core innovation. The core innovation is still there. From an investment standpoint, the people who crush it in crypto, they have the cynicism and the trading experience to understand price, right? So they, they're obsessed with price. They're not just like aping into some shit that sounds cool when it's up a thousand X, right? They understand cycles, but they still have that like childlike wonder and like excitement for like aping into the unique token when Hayden just like put the contract on Twitter. Those are the people that like become legends in the space. It's like mm. you have to have both, right? You have to have the mm. like experience and cynicism to, to not just believe everything you see and mostly just care a lot about price. That's what it comes down to, right? It's like, when are you entering? But that like ability to be like, no, nah, this is cool. <laughs> I'm just going to like go on. Yeah. Like hamsters, you know, I saw yeah. the hamsters and I was like, this is cool. All this is innovation, bro. It is though. Like it was like, <laughs> honestly, bro, if you were not participating in hamster racing, I'm not hiring you for my mythical hedge fund. Like straight up, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, because here's the people who are participating in hamsters, right? They are too poor to go to ECC. They are online 24 seven. They can instantly start gambling on BNB. So they have like BNB chain. So they have this like on-chain setup ready to go. They think it's funny. They know everyone else who's doing on-chain hamsters. Those are the people it's like, you know, they're going to come into this like bull market, like hungry with nothing to lose and just like ready to like participate in whatever. And of course that whole saga was incredible too, right? Cause like then that community of people figured out what all the holes were like immediate, right? It's like, oh, okay. The hamster races are recorded. Like we're going to figure that out. <laughs> so this one keeps losing. Like here's all the problems with like how the money is distributed. Here's the entire chain of admin authority from like the treasury to the people who are receiving the earnings for the hamster raising. Like they just like ripped it apart right away but that's because they're all really smart and like have been rugged a million times on chain and so they understand like what matters right mm -hmm. in that ecosystem like dude i'm telling you bro like 
a hedge fund where you just like hire basically you do interview everyone who did hamster racing <laughs> and, and pick like the top one percent of those people is going to be like the highest performing mythical hedge fund in the world for the next two years hamster fun and we'll call it animal crossing <laughs> somebody needs to let me see this this hedge fund if there's any lps out there listening to this maybe there's like a swedish like lp <laughs> out there listening um i will start this hedge fund and i will find the most degenerate people who are the hungriest to crush it for you this cycle my cousin he's like the cfo of a, a venture fund and i was having lunch with him the other day and i told him i was like hey man i'm gonna pitch something to you i don't need you to do this but i'm just i need you to tell me if this is feasible this is what i want I'm going to go to like a venture capital fund or like some, I'm going to go to a source of a large amount of capital. And I'm going to say, give me $5 million for the next three years. And for the next three years, everything I build, I will give you 30% of. And I think we should wrap this into our mythical fund as well. I'm going to call it like the, the DGEN and residence program. I am the first DGEN and it'll just be me and a bunch of Zoomers who are betting on hamsters and shit. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Honestly, though, this is where I see, like, when I think past, like, this next cycle and think about, like, what do I want? Like, where do I really want to be in the space? It's, like, it's really about the group of people that we've, like, collected, right? It's, like, yeah, some of the people that you're working with, like, are just incredible, right? For me, like, me and Tommy and CHG, we kind of, like, have this team now where it's, like, Tommy elite with the kind of branding and content and CHG is, like, really fucking good at BD and I can, like, keep them on track and like help with both right i feel like the most valuable asset coming out of this like bear market and going into the bull market is going to be like these relationships of trust that we have with people who have just like really been through the fire and built valuable things how can we turn that into a product like exactly like you said right because <laughs> i think that's like at the end of the day, that's like really what keeps me in crypto. The, those like networks of people who you've really been in the trenches with and like can do, you know, you know, can do amazing things and kind of have this unique knowledge from working in the space. Yeah. When I think about it, I think like the increasing success of the things I've worked on over time, I can't really attribute to changes in myself. I would have to say it's like my ability to pick the kind of people that I work with better, you know, <laughs> just like, you got to gain the ability to just like switch off. I'm like, Hey, I trust, I trust these people, you know, like everyone, everyone I'm associated with is really good at doing what they do. And that's all about. <laughs> um, that's cool that, that's the ultimate meta skill, you know? Yeah. Is CHG like a part of the tally team now? Have you yeah. brought her on? Yeah. Yeah. It's I funny, think like... calling her CHG makes her yeah. sound like a basketball player. It's kind of cool. <laughs> dude she's the michael jordan of uh of being chg very unique <laughs> unique human being um but uh she like nowadays like i only hire people who i've like worked with a lot before right so we just like work with her on a ton of content stuff but then eventually brought her on full time and it turns out like her true skill is that is that business development like don't poach her but she's like a god <laughs> business development yeah so yeah she works full-time Italian and has actually kind of shifted more to the bd side um versus content what do you think about um it is 11 2023 some interesting things going on right now like we had cz step down yesterday or i don't know what the exact terminology was if he was fired stepped down forced to leave whatever uh, we also had blast 
come out this week, new paradigm-backed Layer 2. Do you have any thoughts on Blast? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not an L2. It's a oh. multi-sig of people who... It's a it's literally like a multi-sig. <laughs> it's not an L2 in any way. I've become like much more libertarian from working in crypto, so like people can build whatever the fuck they want. I don't care. It's just like I don't think there's any innovation there, right? And that's just like where I choose to focus, right? It's like and from an investing standpoint, if you see something that is like heavily known by everyone, like it's you know getting retweeted by everyone on Twitter, but from what you can tell, there's not actually any innovation that might be mispriced inside of it. Like, do you really yeah. think you're going to do well there? Think you're going to do well there? Uh, I mean, I do think that, like, if you move money over, this is not financial advice, you know, but like they're, they have this like crazy point system. Cause like we're in the point system meta right now. And people are of course, assuming that like these points are going to correlate to some sort of airdrop or something, some sort of financial reward. And like, I'm sure there are people, there's probably a lot of people who are like going to, only just get the airdrop not lose any capital like they're not really giving up anything assuming there is an airdrop you know like and they might be missing out on like i don't know what they're missing out on like yield other opportunity costs but like i think the question is are you farming or are you getting farmed right that is you a know? good point yeah like you're you don't know how the point system works anyone can arbitrarily change it your tokens are locked you can't withdraw them are you farming are you yeah. getting farmed? Right. And I, I like I'm down with some like crazy shit. Like friend tech, I was a big fan of. But that's because like it's it was actually an innovative product. Like I get that it was similar to whatever that one I wasn't there for. What was the BitCloud? BitCloud, right? Like I get it's similar to BitCloud, but it's actually not, right? They released a super slick nowadays. It works really well, like progressive web app that like is integrated with the token functionality and they have this like, you know, attracted account based approach. Like it's cool. It's fucking super cool. Like in, in my personal opinion. Like it leverages an mm. L2. Like to me, that's like the question is what's the innovation here? Maybe I just don't understand what it is with blast right but like i just don't get it <laughs> you know what's it's confusing like... me about blast is people who normally are not grifters at all i've seen people like i've seen the usual grifters posting about blast but i've also seen people who i really respect posting about it only like a couple and like they're obviously investors so <laughs> you know biased but like I don't, maybe I'm just naive and I'm like, well, this person wouldn't throw away like years of credibility to promote something they didn't think was genuinely innovative. And like this person's a developer. So I'm at like, there's got to be something under the hood that someone hasn't seen yet, you know, but could be naive. Like they're planning to build something that's sort of interesting, but like, I would like to see some like product first. Yeah. I would <laughs> argue that blur and NFT AMMs was an innovation. I think that was I, a genuine innovation. I completely agree. I completely Pac agree. Pac-Man, like, Pac-Man did Blur. He's doing Blast. Maybe. I'm not going to write him off yet. I haven't put any, I haven't bridged, sorry, not bridged. I haven't sent any money to the multi-sig. <laughs> well, and to be clear, like, I, like, to, you know, to go back on it, like, I'm libertarian, so I don't give a shit, like, Pac-Man can build whatever he wants, and if people want to put their money into it, they should do that, you know? But, yeah, and I agree, like, but that's the thing with Blur, it's like, there was already, the innovative product already existed before the airdrop, you know? So you just have to, like, think about the incentives, right? It's like, yeah. just really thinking about, like, okay, it's, I think it's hard to get alpha, right, into this kind of thing, like, as an investor. Like, how is it possible to be early or to understand something someone else doesn't understand when you don't even know what the product is <laughs> and everyone knows about it? Yeah. And there's just, like, incredible amounts of, like, pre-filled bags with 
token warrants at discounted prices that are getting yeah. ready to dump on you. It's like it's like the worst of all worlds, you know. That is true. Yeah, I just don't it, get like, it. I'm not. I know nothing about Blast. I will like I kind of I'm suspicious of the marketing tactics, uh, but like who knows? Maybe there's something there. Maybe not. I do think that like it is the people being farmed like for for sunset. But hey, who knows? Is there anything that I haven't asked you today that you wish I had asked you? <laughs> yeah, if you're like a passionate person in the space and you like to build stuff or you're a marketer or you're a trader and just like uh, you know, you're interested in anything I mentioned, like just hit me up. I got open DMs. You might have to like ping me a couple times cuz now Twitter if I don't follow you, it filters the DMs and I might not see them. So you might have to be like, you know, a little innovative with <laughs> getting in touch with me. Um, but uh, if I see your message, like I'll respond because uh, I just like a lot of the best people that I've met, I just met happenstance or reached out to me or like we're working on something together. So yeah, hit me up and uh, excited to work with you. Did we meet through Twitter? I think it was through Twitter. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I started getting jealous of you and Tommy's online bromance. And, uh, all all the like best people I've met, like, we connected about something, and then somehow we ended up getting reconnected, right? Which happened, like, multiple times with us. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Like, that's probably my favorite part about being in crypto is just, like, meeting amazing people on the internet. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, it's very fun. Everyone's super interesting. Well, thank you so much for coming on. My last question, actually, is uh, when am I coming on to Dow Talk again? I think the people will know when you're on Dow Talk again. You know, low key, a big announcement's coming from Reza, and uh, that's when you'll see. That's when we'll see you on Dow Talk again. Uh -huh. I don't want to throw around any dates, you know, <laughs> um, or names, but uh, yeah, the writings on soon. the wall. Soon, TM. <laughs> Maybe Beautiful. we can get a mean too. You know, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, Shirt, man. Shirtless Amin was is like one of the most legendary episodes of Dow Talk. <laughs> we could do a shirtless episode. <laughs> I would, I would do it. I'm already in. You can, Pro, yeah, might not be a popular ask, episode. But. Tommy will show up. Ask him about the Turkish bathhouse, and yeah, you can, you know, we can go from there. All right, we got it going. Thank you so much, man. It was great. I always have a great time talking to you, and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime. Likewise. All right. Take care. Peace.